0: hello beauties you are listening to the beauty of the nile podcast i'm your host jasmine mobley the beauty of the nile podcast is your source for wonderful skincare tips favorite skincare solutions amazing advice great conversation and fabulous beauty inspiration specifically for women of color from the experts on skin of color. We are here to affirm and amplify the beauty of brown skin in all shades and to encourage women of color to care for and love our brown skin. We believe that skincare is healthcare and self-care. Each episode features a different guest who will be dropping dimes to help you best care for and love Your brown skin. I'm excited to be here with you. Let's get started. Today, I'm here with Dr. Jabarta Williams. Dr. Jabarta Williams is a board certified dermatologist currently practicing in the Pennsylvania area. She received her medical degree from Howard University College of Medicine, where she recently was awarded Dermatologist of the Year. She interned at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore and did her dermatology training at Mount Sinai in New York City. Her current focus is on general dermatology, cosmetic dermatology, and surgical dermatology. She is passionate about skin of color and bridging health disparities in her community. Dr. Jabarta Williams, welcome to the Beauty of the Nile podcast. Can you talk a little bit about when you knew you wanted to be a dermatologist?
1: So I decided very late, actually, during my third year of medical school, because in medical school, you get a chance to go through different Uh, Rotations, which we call them, where you get to experience different specialties and figure out what you really want. And I think a lot of people that go into dermatology kind of know from the get go that they want to do dermatology, but I never had dermatology on my list at all because they made it seem like a specialty that was so hard to get into. So I never really thought about it. So I went into medical school wanting to do emergency medicine and then somehow changed my mind and thought I wanted to be a surgeon. So my third year of medical school, when I was doing my rotation through all the different specialties, um, I started with surgery and I did not like it. Um, I kind of felt like my personality did not really match well with the surgeons, but I knew I would love to do procedures. So one of my friends randomly suggested shadowing a dermatologist. So I reached out to the department at Howard University where I went to medical school. I worked with them for a week and I really fell in love with dermatology. Uh, I realized that it gave me everything I was looking for in a specialty, one it's very flexible. You work in clinic hours. You don't really have to work late. Um, I can also do the procedures, where I love to do. And also, I feel like it's just a very laid back. Um, I don't know if laid back is the perfect word for it, but it's a very, um, very nice specialty because it's very low stress most of the times, even though we do have some emergencies, but it's not always the case. Um, so it gave me that flexibility. And also, I feel like I was very, imp- I was very, um, uh, Particular about having a specialty that would afford me the lifestyle that I wanted—a well-balanced life. I didn't want to be a doctor that would only work, not really have time for family. And with dermatology, I was able to have that life-work balance that everybody really wants. So, yeah,
0: that's awesome. So I've never heard anybody call it low stress, but I think (laughs) I think you have such a big impact. At least from talking to the other dermatologists that I've interviewed on the podcast, maybe you're not. You know like working all night but when you do work with patients you're really changing the way that they feel about themselves or see themselves and really you know helping in that way so I think that's really beautiful. Absolutely. Okay awesome and so this I think is a great question for you. I I started saying recently I was like I think skincare is healthcare and I think sometimes we think of it as self-care and we say that but it really is a health care a part of healthcare and I think a really critical part of our health which you know better than anybody. So when you hear me say skincare is healthcare, what does that mean to you?
1: That's a very perfect statement because a lot of people think that when it comes to skin, it's all cosmetics and it's all just because you're vain. But as you know, your skin is the largest organ in your body. And, and I think people really need to pay more attention to it. To me, skincare is healthcare because it's a part of you. It's something that is a part of you that is visible to everybody. It's visible to you. And I think it has a lot of impact on People's mental well-being. So I think that uh, we should not undermine the importance of having good skin and just being, you know, looking for for like a good dermatologist so that will take care of your skin. Yeah, I totally agree. And
0: I know that you are very passionate about, you know, skin of color and understanding it and treating it. Can you talk a little bit about some of the most common skin concerns that you see from patients of color?
1: I would say. It- If I were to pick one, I would choose hyperpigmentation because, as you know, we have melanin-rich skin. And if there's any inflammation in the skin, the residual is for you to have dark spots. And most of it come to me because, not even because of the inflammation, because of the dark spots that they have. And also, I think my second pick would be hair loss. I see that a lot in people of color. And I think now people are starting to seek help when it comes to hair loss. Before, it was more like, oh, it's my hair. I don't really care about it. People don't really care about my hair, but now I see more patients coming to me just for hair loss.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And do you, why do you think that is? I've noticed that too, people caring more about like their scalp health and, you know, their, the hair, the health of the hair on their head. Why do you think that you see that more now?
1: I think it's because it's a movement towards just embracing your natural self and your natural beauty. Before, a lot of people would wear wigs, weaves. People still do that, but I think now people are starting to just embrace themselves in all of their forms. And if you have issues with hair loss, you can't really wear your natural hair if there's hair loss. So now that we're moving towards that, people are starting to seek help to kind of fix the issue
0: right okay yeah where before maybe you could like put a wig on or something else and that was more common um and now people are like wait a second this is not what i thought yeah okay that's great and what do you say when patients come to you with hair loss issues um what would be the biggest tip that you have for them in terms of addressing those issues
1: well it varies because it depends on the kind of hair loss they have in people of color uh the scarring hair loss is very common So I always try to address the fundamental issue, like one is what is causing the inflammation on the scalp, what can we do to reduce the inflammation, and also your hair care practices play a big role in what happens to your hair so, and a lot of people don't really know how to manage their hair especially like my curly kinky hair folks so I kind of go through just a really good regimen they can follow and also try to figure out what I can do from a medical perspective to either decrease inflammation or stop the hair loss that they're experiencing.
0: Yeah. Okay. Awesome. That's very, very helpful. Um, and when you touched on this a little bit earlier, you talked about how skincare impacts you know, our mental health, emotional health. Can you talk a little bit about how you see skincare impact our health from emotional
1: to physical to mental Right, so like I mentioned, your skin is what you're seeing every day and that's what people are looking at. But when you have acne especially, it really, really plays a big role in how you feel about yourself uh, because you're constantly looking in the mirror and seeing the bumps on your face. So for me, it really does, skin in general has a huge role when it comes to your mental well-being, uh, because I see it a lot in clinic. People are very sad when they have acne breakouts and they're so happy once their skin is clear. So, and I think now I'm starting to see more, people raise awareness about that, that your skin is not just cosmetics, you know, it, it really plays a role in how you feel about yourself. So very important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And even I know, like talking, I've interviewed makeup artists on the podcast, as well as dermatologists. And even like, if you want to, if you're somebody who loves wearing makeup, it's obviously also really good to be able to take care of your skin and have the skin underneath it be as healthy as possible, too. So for everybody, I think it's like, like you said, it's really important to be able to have your skin be in a good spot and you just feel a lot better even if you're going to put
1: makeup on exactly you know you want to have the option of using makeup and or not using makeup you don't want makeup to be your only way of um you know covering spots or just making yourself feel more presentable
0: yeah exactly like enhancing versus like needing to yeah, yeah needing to wear it all the time um i think that's a great point and for okay, so for a lot of your patients, or for any patients who are listening, can you talk about the importance of having a dermatologist who specializes in treating and understanding skin of color when you have skincare concerns and you need help?
1: So in a lot of trainings, uh, like dermatology trainings, people were not really getting the opportunity to learn about the skin, you know, black skin, brown skin. But now we're they're starting to raise more awareness, and they're really encouraging dermatology residents to learn more about people of color. Um, and I think that if you if you live in a place where you don't get to see a lot of black, brown patients, you don't really get to get that overall training that you need. Uh, so you have to kind of put in extra work to look at pictures look at you know read about articles about things that affect people of color but I think now we're you know starting to move towards teaching our white counterparts how to treat people of color so I think in the next few years uh, I wouldn't say it will be very necessary to go see a black dermatologist via black because people are going to be well-rounded in education so that's
0: great that's great and I've heard too like With things like lasers, I'm not sure how much you know about them. I know very, very little, but I've heard things like that. It can be really scary if somebody doesn't know, you know, skin of color or how to treat it or how to deal with it, right? And so it sounds like you're saying it'll be more commonplace that every medical professional will know, but it can be detrimental, right?
1: Absolutely. If you use the wrong laser on black or brown skin, it can actually cause hyperpigmentation and scarring that could be permanent. So it's very important to know the skin type of the patient you're treating you're treating and also knowing the right equipment to use for them. I think traditionally it was like, oh, black people cannot get laser treatment, but that's false. You just have to use the right laser and the right settings. So it's not only using the right laser, you need to know the right settings for that laser as well.
0: Okay. Okay. And is that true for like other skincare treatments or things that we would do to our skin that like if we're gonna get it done by a professional, it's good that they understand black skin or brown skin or
1: It is important, again, but it also depends on what you're getting done. For example, if you're doing Botox or fillers, it doesn't really matter. Um, But if you're doing any light-based treatment, like a laser treatment, if you're doing chemical pills, there are some pills that are not safe on black skin. Um, Also things like that would be very important to know the kind of skin you're treating before you do any treatment. But otherwise, in general, like if you're talking about over-the-counter medications, they work for most people.
0: Let's take a quick break here. Since you're listening, I want to make sure that you have access to all of the great Beauty of the Nile content. Make sure you're subscribed to the Beauty of the Nile newsletter. Of course, it's free. Just head on over to beautyofthenile.com. Enter your email to subscribe. It's super quick and easy. You can do it now. We'll be right here when you get back. Enjoy. And for yourself, you have beautiful skin, obviously, and you are a professional, but I'm sure you've had skincare struggles in your life. Can you talk about what it have been some of your own biggest skincare
1: struggles? I've always had very sensitive skin. Um, and also I have eczema as well. So <laughs> so I can't really use a lot of products that people can use because my skin would react like like this, like within two days, I would have a rash. Uh, but I've learned to figure out what works for me and what does not work for me. And I think I have that luxury because I'm in the field. I'm able to test things myself and figure out what uh you know really goes for my skin or not. But I would say I've always just had sensitive skin since I was a little girl and it's just something I've had to live with and just manage. I try to use products that don't have any fragrance in them because that does not aggravate my eczema. Um yeah. Okay, awesome. So you
0: look at ingredients and you're pretty particular about them and then you avoid fragrances. Those are kind of your big
1: yeah. And I always, I never start multiple products at once. I like to do one at a time, just in case my skin does not tolerate it. I'm able to really know the pinpoint, which products is not working. And I think that that's a mistake a lot of people make. They start like 10 things at once and your skin is reacting. You're not able to tell what your skin is reacting to. So I always just recommend starting one thing at a time and then adding more as you go. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So everybody
0: should not be trying like six new products necessarily at <laughs> once. Okay. So we should all listen to that probably. Um, awesome. Okay, and then for you, we you, you talked a little bit about lasers and chemical peels before. Are there any like treatments like that that you've tried that maybe like people listening haven't heard of or haven't used before?
1: I haven't done a lot of <laughs> a lot of procedures of myself. One thing that I've done that I really love would be the completely rich plasma for hair loss. Uh, I just wanted to try it out to see what it feels like before recommending it to patients. I don't really have hair loss, but I was just interested to see what the process felt like. So what they do is they draw your blood, spin it in the centrifuge, and then take a portion of it that has the growth factors and then inject that into your scalp. And I love this treatment for people that have female or male part in hair loss, because it really works for those people. But it's quite expensive, and it does not always work. Those like are the downsides to that treatment. And I like Botox. I like to get Botox like every three to six months when I remember. Uh, I think I just like the way it makes my You know, it makes your skin look smooth, and if you wear makeup, it actually makes your makeup look really good too. Um, yeah, those two things I do. <laughs>
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So first of all, the the platelet-rich plasma, I've heard of that, but I didn't know exactly how it works. That was very cool. Um, And when you said sometimes it doesn't work for people, when it doesn't work for them, why is that? Is it something about their type of hair loss or...?
1: Yeah, so one, it doesn't always work for every hair loss. I prefer it for those that have the female or male part hair loss, which we also call endogenetic hair loss. Um, but we use it, some people use it for a scarring hair loss. I'm not sure if it really works in that setting. But also, as you know, they're drawing your blood and they're injecting it back in. So, if you know, different factors go into that. If you don't have enough growth factors and you might not see enough results, you know, it just varies. It's not a constant thing.
0: Okay, okay, very interesting. And then the botox fees. I know people are very interested in botox. Do you have any recommendations for anybody who's interested in trying botox? I've never done it myself, but I know people who have. So, if anybody's listening and interested in trying, do you have any tips?
1: Um, I would just say <clears throat> it's a very easy procedure like, you know, you go to a dermatologist. If you have wrinkles at baseline, meaning that if you're looking at your face in the mirror and you can see lines already, then you probably want to get makeup, Botox to prevent it from getting worse. Um, it just kind of gives your, your muscles a chance to relax for a few months because the constant expressions that we make with our faces also, you know, kind of make us age a little bit, unfortunately. Um, it's a treatment that is not a one-time-and-you're-done kind of treatment. If you like it, you have to commit to it low-key and, you know, kind of do it every couple of months. Um, they tell people last three to four months, but it depends on which t- brand you get. Sometimes um, it doesn't last up to three months. Sometimes it does. And if you're somebody that extends a lot, like me, mine lasts like a month and a half <laughs> months, and that's it. Um, so it kind of varies, too. But we typically tell patients every three to four months you would get you know, you get more. I and mean, then if you need to touch up, you can come back sooner too.
0: Okay. And the primary purpose is like wrinkles and just general smoothness of your skin, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. Mainly wrinkles. And also we do use Botox for people that sweat a lot. So we use that too. And that's interesting. interesting. Well, I make a lot of faces as you can <laughs> see. <laughs> so who
0: knows, maybe I'll be in need one day. <laughs> Um, okay, so I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about colorism. I'd love to know if you've experienced colorism, we talk about that a lot on this podcast, if you've experienced colorism and if so, how that experience shaped your perceptions of of beauty growing up.
1: I actually have not experienced colorism before, so, but I've heard of other people's experiences with it, but I have not personally experienced it before
0: okay that's that's good that's a good thing um have you ever seen it or like witnessed somebody going through it or heard
1: I mean I've heard a few friends complain about it but in different settings um I've always been there to listen and um offer my little piece of advice when I have (laughs) but I know it's not um it's not an enjoyable uh, thing to, you know, it's not an enjoyable process or a good space to be in. To feel like you're being ridiculed because of your color is not great at all for anybody at all. And I also think that a lot of times also kind of plants this um, self-doubt in people to make them feel like they're not good enough or they're just not, you know, just great. And I think a lot of times it's just false. It's just somebody trying to project the perception of you into you, so.
0: Yeah, definitely definitely I think it's a lot of uh, projecting a lot of like yeah planting a seed of doubt which is like probably one of the most harmful things that you can do to someone especially you know when you're young but I see it like I talk to some people it sticks with them through their lives um so yeah I think that's those are really good points um okay so when you hear me say love your brown skin what does that mean to you
1: like Beyonce said (laughs) You have to be comfortable in your skin. Uh, I think all shades of brown, all shades of black, are, are beautiful. All of us are made in our unique ways. And you have to really learn to embrace that and really love yourself for who you really are. Um, at the same time, it doesn't mean that, I want to just put it out there, it doesn't mean that if you're getting Botox or getting cosmetic procedures, it doesn't mean you don't love yourself. It actually means that you actually care enough about yourself to get things that make you look better. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I think everybody should do whatever makes them feel like you said, the most confident, most beautiful, whatever that is. Absolutely. I love that answer. Okay. And what does being part of the beauty of the Nile community mean
1: to you? It means being part of a community of people that are able to um uplift people of color, make them feel safe, welcomed, and also make them feel like themselves. And it's just like a safe community for people to just communicate and uplift each other.
0: I love that. I think that's such a good answer. Um, okay, and if you could speak to the beauty of the Nile community, so of all these people of color, of um, all these different shades of brown, what would you tell them about how you want them to feel about their beauty?
1: I want them to feel great at all times. Even at your worst, feel great because you are great. And at the same time, um, I wanted to think of, just because I'm a dermatologist, I wanted to think of skincare as healthcare, because it's really healthcare. And also, um, I want them to remember that it's just, you know, sometimes you might be in situations where you don't feel as great, or you don't feel as good. Remember that it's not really you, it might be somebody else trying to project their feelings onto you. So it's the very thin line, it's very important to differentiate that. And also, I always talk about sunscreen all the time, so I always try to plug it in every conversation I have. It is very important to wear sunscreen, even if you're black or brown, because um, the sun ages your skin, can increase increase your skin and skin cancers. Even though skin cancers are not as frequent in the black-brown community, it's still very important to protect your skin from the sun at all times. And my recommendation is always SPF 30 and above and trying to reapply it every two hours if you're going to be in the sun. And I, also, if you have hyperpigmentation, you should try to find a sunscreen that has zinc in it because it really helps to protect the skin. And also, if you can get a tinted sunscreen because the iron oxide and tints teens can give you extra protection as well.
0: Oh, OK. Those are two really good tips. So zinc and iron oxide. OK, awesome. I love all of that. Um, my last question for you, if you had to recommend one person for me to interview next, who would it be and why?
1: I would say Dr. Michelle Henry. Do you know her?
0: I don't, but you're not the first person that's recommended her, so I'll have to.
1: She is very amazing. She's an amazing dermatologist in New York. I adore her. She is goals. I think that she's somebody that's really opening up a space for people like us uh, and making it you know, look like it's something that we can do. And she's very humble, very knowledgeable, very sweet. I've heard her talk in different, uh, you know, talks before, and she's very amazing. That'll be one person I would recommend. I know she's very busy. She does a lot of media stuff, but if you can get her to come on your podcast, that'll be a win. Awesome. I will definitely reach out. You're not the first
0: person who's mentioned her. So now she's been nominated a few times. Um, Well, I have loved having you today on the Beauty of the Nile podcast. So thank you for being a part of the podcast and of the Beauty of the Now community and the Love Your Brown Skin movement. Um, for anybody who wants to stay connected, where can they find you on social media?
1: I go by Dr. Jabs the Durham on TikTok as well as uh, Instagram. I have a Twitter account, but I don't really post much on it. I think it's the same name too. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: If they find you on Twitter, they won't see much, but they'll at least find you. So maybe maybe find you on Instagram and TikTok. Um, I try to post a lot of
1: quite a few skincare tips and uh, videos and Instagram and my TikTok too, but
0: yes, I love your videos. So everybody should find you there and I'll link it in the show notes too, so everyone can find it. Um, And we're over at beauty of the Nile on Instagram and beautyofthenile.com. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I hope you all enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Dr. Jabarta Williams was such an enriching and informative guest. I loved her point that being on the receiving end of colorism has nothing to do with your own shortcomings and everything to do with the shortcomings of the person spewing negativity your way. And did you catch the gems she shared about tackling hyperpigmentation and acne? Amazing. I'm excited to continue to bring you amazing, empowering, enriching conversations for women of color from the experts on skin of color. This is Jasmine Mobley, and you've been listening to the Beauty of the Nile podcast. Beauty of the Nile is your source for wonderful skincare tips, favorite skincare solutions, amazing advice, great conversation, and fabulous beauty inspiration, specifically for women of color, from the experts on skin of color. Love your brown skin. Tune in next week, same time, same place, for more stellar information, and a new amazing guest who will be dropping gems. You won't want to miss it. For more great content, head to beautyofthenile.com to sign up for our free newsletter and to be the first to know what's next at Beauty of the Nile. Join us on Instagram and all social channels at Beauty of the Nile. And join our Facebook group, Beauty of the Nile Community. We can't wait to connect
1: and grow with you. Until next week, enjoy life.